0: Amen. Been fun so far. See if I can mess it up. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Greater Life. Excited that you're here today and uh, to open today because of the spring ahead. I'm going to make room for about a five-minute nap. Go ahead. Now, if you're, not open by, if you're not up by now, then you work the third shift, but there may be some in here. God's good. It's going to be awesome. Today's message is going to be very different, at least than what we're used to, uh, in a sense of it's going to be more like a workshop, I guess, of sorts, and uh, if, if you're upset with me, that's all right, you'll get over it, and, um, but we're going to have a good time talking about something today. Jesus was fully God, fully man, master teacher, preacher, The difference between preaching and teaching, in my mind at least, is volume. Preachers yell, teachers teach. Most of the time, we have an opportunity where the preaching of the gospel, which is an exhortation, which is an encouragement, which is a lot of life application and scriptures that just come alive to us, but sometimes... What the preaching doesn't get to is the meat of the stories that are in between the stories. So, today, it's my assignment to preach a message or teach you a message that we've titled The Winning. The Winning. In our series, The Promise of Covering, we've talked about the wilderness. We're talking today about the winning. Next week, we're talking about the wonder. But today's message is on leadership, leadership. I wanna take a quick survey of the room. If you consider yourself to be a leader, then just slip your hand up right where you are. Okay, we've got a few. So the very definition of a leader is that you have followers. Now, I wanna ask you again, If you're in any position of authority whatsoever and someone is subordinate to you, be it at work, be it at home, be it in the neighborhood, let's say you're on the PTA or the HOA or any other three-letter organization, are you a leader? Slip your hand up. Okay, we've got more, we're going to keep going here. Check it out. The Bible tells us that our commission, the great commission even in Matthew chapter 28 is to go and make disciples. The word disciple means follower. So in its most simplest definition, in its most simplest translation, it was Jesus and his 12 followers. And if Jesus is calling upon us to go and make disciples, then I would ask this question. Not are you a leader today or are you an authority today, but are you willing for God to use you as a leader? Now slip your hand up if you're saying yes to that. Now for those of you that don't have your hands up, I'm gonna help you. When I say slip your hands up, just slip them up. It'll save me time at the end. I won't have to do a response. We're just gonna knock it out right now. Now, if you believe that you are called for the glory of God to be a leader, slip your hands up. Let's do it. I think I got almost everybody, almost everybody, almost, come on. Come on. Anyway, like, man, this guy. I have a method to the madness. What does it require of you to be a leader? Followers. You may think that you're here today and you're not a leader and you don't even have the potential to be a leader, but you are called, you are commanded to make disciples and disciples are followers. To follow Christ is to be a leader. One of the problems that we have is that the followers of Jesus have allowed other people to lead. I believe that there is a calling, there is an appointment, there is a responsibility for us to lead. I believe that there are many times where we have allowed others to take that role or to run in that thing. I believe that when we walk into a room because of our anointing, because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, because we have the Word of God that gives us wisdom, because we as followers of Jesus have these things, Who better to lead the room, to lead the task, to lead the party, to lead the responsibility, to lead in the workplace, to lead in the neighborhood, to lead in the schoolhouse, to lead at the restaurants, to lead on vacation, to lead at home? Who better to lead than the one that has their ear pointed to the Father? So the question today is not, are you ready to lead? The question today is are you ready to allow God to use you to lead? We find this passage in Exodus chapter 17 and 18 and we'll get to it in just a moment. But I first want us to understand that while this is a leadership message, the leadership message is still a part of the gospel. It comes from the same book. And when we read it, sometimes we read it, well that applies to Moses. Can I tell you that All of this book 2nd Timothy says that is good for teaching good for rebuke and good for encouragement all of it so when we read about Moses and how his leadership model is structured we need to take notice and say God maybe you can use me to lead maybe you can use me to bring glory to your name maybe you can use me remember Moses was the reluctant leader At the burning bush, Moses, go and set my people, go and let my people go, go and deliver my people. No, not me, I can't talk. I stutter and God had an answer for every excuse. So let's pray, Lord, I say today that we need you to open our eyes. Because Lord, if you can raise up all of these that are in the house today, To lead in some way, shape, or form, I believe it will make an impact in eternity. Help us, Lord, to lean in to this message, to receive it with enthusiasm, to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you. Exodus chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. Verse 8. While the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses has commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on and they stood on each side holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, say as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle and after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. We need to understand that that entire story goes nowhere without leadership, without principles of leadership. The format of today's message is a little bit different. Normally, we have points or blanks or different things that we'll fill in, and there's verses that support it. But today, I'd like to share with you some scriptures that jump out at me. First of all, the the phrase, choose some men to go out and fight. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus declares that every word that comes from the mouth of God is good for us. Every word. So there's a word in this passage that jumps out to me, and that word is some. We find here that Israel is under attack and there needs to be a response. The leadership is tasked to select some to go out and fight. I want to ask you a question, if I select some, then what does that also imply? That not everyone is included. You see, this is a problem that some leaders have and that leadership faces many times is that when they go to select some, almost always, there is someone else who feels overlooked or left out. But this is the direction we can be reminded that there is a separation in the assignment of the kingdom. Joshua was called to select some to fight this battle. It was Joshua's discretion. He had to choose who he would take with him into the battle. At the end of the story, this was a battle that ensued that would literally have these men fighting for their lives. Sometimes leaders have to choose some and leave others behind for a specific assignment. But this does not mean that you'll never be chosen or the leader will always overlook you. This means that you're called to know and to trust the timing of your commission. Everyone wins when those commissioned and assigned do what they were called To do the problem is sometimes we're commissioned and assigned and we don't walk in it I'll ask you this maybe you've uh, asked a child to do something again and again and again in my house we would we went through this process we taught parenting classes when we were in kids ministry And we had this practice that we called first-time obedience that we would do, and and before that, I would count to three. So the kid knew he had three seconds to keep doing whatever he was doing, and then it was over. My wife, God bless her and her grace and her mercy, would count to five. But what we found is counting didn't really work because there was a process of us leading that demanded us when we did the first time obedience that when I ask, you obey. When you choose not to obey, you choose to be punished. (laughs) When we choose not to obey God, we choose to be disobedient. We choose to say he doesn't know what's best for our life. And can I tell you, that is not the right choice. Uh, I'm picturing Joshua picking out, hey, you, 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 and you, and you, and then there's somebody standing there that he kinda skipped over. It's the playground scenario. The one who didn't get picked at all standing there, well, why'd you pick him? I'm stronger than he is, I'm better than he is, my sword is sharper than he is. He picked him because God led Joshua to pick some, not all. Can I tell you, church, if we are faithful with what God has called some to do, we might just get something done. Far too often we get our feelings hurt. Exodus chapter 17 the next thing that jumped out at me is meanwhile Moses and Aaron and her climbed up to the top of a nearby hill. By the way, her is not a pronoun, it's literally a name. There's a military practice of saluting officers that happens on bases all over the country. However, in the battlefield, this practice is outlawed, banned, because when you salute, it identifies the leadership and it makes them vulnerable to targeted attacks. We find here that Moses and Aaron and Hur are on a nearby hill, they're not in the battlefield with Joshua, but that is no less important of an assignment They are on the hill so Moses can see the battlefield from a different perspective. In this story, we see a physical separation, but in the spirit realm, it is also true that leaders sometimes are in a different position because God wants them to see things that normally cannot be seen by others. I'll put it this way. Not only could Moses see what was happening, but the army could see Moses. Practically speaking, there's a stage here, not because I deserve to be up higher than you, but because you can see me. Back in the day, they would build churches and they would put these crow's nest type things in the fronts of churches. And the the minister would literally have to climb up these stairs and a ladder and he would be like 20 feet in the air looking down upon the people. Now, in those days, it was because there was a separation that they were higher than the people. Even they would teach that you can't read the scriptures on your own, listen to me. Nothing could be further for the truth here, but you need to understand that there are times where the leadership are positioned to see things differently. And when they are faithful to that, then the people also see things differently. I'll put it to you this way. The army is down there and they see Moses. They see Moses with his hands raised and it encourages them to keep going. The next passage, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit and they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. Notice that Aaron and Hur didn't turn to one another and complain about Moses' leadership. Oh, Moses is lazy. Why, Why can't he get the stone? Why can't he hold his own arms up? No, they sprung into action. Can I just tell you? When leaders lead and when people spring into action, when people are doing their role that God has called them to do, the kingdom benefits and wins. But when people find themselves in bitterness and in anger and in mumbling and in grumbling, the kingdom suffers. These men were there with Moses. They were there to encourage him. They were there to pray for him, to support him. I want to encourage you. Pray for your spiritual leadership. Not only that, pray for your political leaders. God help us. Amen. It's it's an assignment. We are to pray for them. Pray for the teacher that is getting on your nerves from from the school your child is at. Pray for the HOA leaders, pray for the PTA leaders. Spend time supporting instead of ridiculing and criticizing. That's our calling. We lead by supporting those in leadership. Exodus chapter 18, we see another story which is incredible. It has been taught again and again in seminar after seminar after seminar about leadership and delegation. But I wanna give you some insights that that the Lord gave me this last time reading through it. Exodus chapter 18. I won't read through the entire passage, but I'll draw your attention to some things that jumped out at me. The first phrase is you're going to wear yourself out in the people too. You're gonna wear yourself out in the people too. There's something that I've been told by my mentors and coaches and pastors over the years is to do what only you can do Do what only you can do when you're busy doing what only you can do and Delegating and empowering someone else to do what they need to do the kingdom benefits and leadership is in place we see in this story that Moses is seeing all the people all of their problems is brought to Moses. There's a revolving door, and from morning to evening, every single day, he sits as judge, telling them what to do. Well, it wore them out. His father-in-law said, this isn't good, you need to delegate, you need to have structure. And the art of delegation is simply that, an art. Because can I tell you, and maybe you've been in this position before, that something has been delegated to you, but you have not been given the authority or empowered to actually do that thing. I, I, I had a problem, I still have a problem, well, I have lots of problems. But I, I have a, a problem where I would delegate but then I would always take it back. Or I would give someone the assignment and then I'd be over their shoulder the entire time. Well, I felt like I could do it better and faster myself anyway, but you know what that meant is I was gonna keep doing that thing over and over and over and over again. Guess what, I set this baptismal up I don't know how many times, but I didn't touch it this week. I walked by it and looked at it a couple times. There's a delegation, there's something that we can do as leaders that empower other people. I'll put it to you this way. A long time ago I learned that working for God gives us great joy. In Bible college, I was at a church called Praise Assembly. And there was a guy there named Dennis Whaley. And he was awesome and obnoxious at the same time. And he was a recruiter extraordinaire. As far as volunteers go, he would get them. uh, I mean, he'd find them hiding in every corner of the church. Hey, you come here, I got something for you. And one time I sat down with him and I actually asked him, I said, listen, don't you feel bad? It was right while he was recruiting me to do something, by the way. Anyway, I said, don't you feel bad asking these people to do all this stuff when they work full time and they got families? And he said, no, because they do those things because they have to. It's a means to an end to earn an income, and so on and so forth. What I've learned is that giving them the opportunity to serve God is eternal. And you may be in here today and not even currently serving in a a church setting. Can I encourage you? There's something about serving the Lord that just gives you joy, that, that you feel like you're making a difference. Because you are. <laughs> I've often said as, as a kids pastor for 15 years, my spiel to recruit people. It's like, hey man, you need to come serve in kids ministry. And like, no, I don't even like kids. I says, okay, <laughs> we'll put you with somebody who does. No, anyway, and I would always tell them this because this is what I learned in, in those years is that it always walked away with a greater blessing. I always got more. I always received more. I was always blessed more when I was willing to step in there and to serve somebody. Amen? And it doesn't look like leadership when we serve at the levels where nobody sees it and nobody notices and nobody gives us a plaque, but it is. It's kingdom leadership. As Moses is here and and he's delegating these things out, so the people aren't worn out, so he's not worn out. I wanna remind you, it is not the responsibility of the school or the church to parent your child. It's not the job of the iPad or the smart TV to babysit your family or to fill the void of silence in your home. Church, we need to reset. Let's engage one another again Let's have deep relationships and deep fellowship. When we allow other people to do what God is calling us to do as parents, as spouses, as believers upon Jesus, then it frustrates everyone around us. The second thing that jumps out to me is as Moses is delegating these things, Jethro, his father-in-law, gives him some instruction on how to pick leaders. The second verse, teach them God's decrees, give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives. The principles of winning and leadership are found right here. To lead by your words and your resources and your actions. To say it another way, leaders will win when they lead by what they say, by what they give, and by what they do. So many times, one or two of these principles can be overlooked. But I can tell you, in order for you to lead in your home, in your life, in your neighborhood, if you will do, give, and say what God is leading you to do, give, and say, then you're gonna see an impact. The second, the, the, the third thing that his father-in-law says, select people, select people, select from all the people, capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes as Moses is selecting leaders to help him with the people's problems. The passage of scripture says, pick someone who can lead 1,000, a hundred, fifty, and 10. It's all measurable. And then he goes on to say, select people who are honest, who fear God and hate bribes, check it out. These leaders were incorruptible, they were available and they were discerning. Wouldn't our nation be in a much better place if we had leaders that met these requirements? If they had to sign something that says, I am incorruptible, available, and discerning, wouldn't it be refreshing if the fear of God took a precedent in our leadership again? That there was a healthy distance from the perversion of the land that is in our nation's every corner. Proverbs 9.10 says it this way, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is no fear. because there is no belief and there is no respect for the Creator. Think of it this way, when bribes are removed from the conversation in leadership, the wealthy no longer have the power to manipulate for their own benefit. It doesn't take you that far to find out that in these past few years here in our nation, the wealthy have got more and more wealthy when so many others have suffered. They have figured out a way to manipulate the system in many ways again and again. But it's not just about them being wealthy. It's about them not fearing God. And it's about them not walking with the Lord. It's about them manipulating our leaders. Jesus said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In John 2, we're reminded that Jesus knows what's in a man's heart. Nations fall when bribes are prevalent because justice becomes thwarted by the money of the rich and the corrupt. I'm not hating on wealthy people at all. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. The problem that we have here is that our love and devotion is perverted and toward things that only last in this lifetime. So the solution for leadership is Moses, pick people that don't have this problem. The fourth scripture that jumps out at me in this passage is they should always be available to solve the people's, people's common disputes but have them bring major cases to you. If the above passage of Scripture describes who the leader is, then this passage describes what they are to do. First, they're given a number of people to manage. That's related to their capacity of leadership. Second, they are to be available. Third, they are to be discerning. There's nothing more frustrating than needing to get an answer about an issue or a problem and never being able to get it. Especially when you have something I like to call a domino decision. In other words, if you don't get the answer to this, then you can't decide that, that, and that. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been on hold before. I'm the guy that when I'm on hold, one of two things happens. I either press zero over and over and over again until I get an operator or the little voice on the other side that started with, you can tell me anything and I can help you. I'm an automated blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, zero, right? Don't be like me, by the way. And if it says something must, you must've pushed something wrong, something must've happened. And it says, I am the, (laughs) I am an automated response. You can tell me anything. It says that again, I'm done. I don't need the answer. Uh, uh, Heaven is coming at some point in my life. I don't need this. But if it says, let me get an operator for you, how many of you guys know that as soon as the operator goes, I've been waiting to talk to a person. Am I the only one? Please don't leave me alone up here. I'm already lonely up here. You're out there and y'all are, anyway. I'm telling you, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've noticed that in my most recent a few bad experiences with businesses or something like that, I wanna to go to the website and put a review. <laughs> I'll show them. And then they don't have a website. Like, Well, how am I gonna show them? Let me call them. Ah, you can say anything to me, I'm an automated, and, ah! Where is the justice? Somebody's taking a bribe in that situation. Anyway. <laughs> Silly. Nothing could be more frustrating. And so Moses every day is going before the people and giving them all the solutions and trying to fix all of the problems. And so he is told, pick leaders. He is told, teach them the ways of the Lord instead of just telling them what to do. It's the concept of teaching them how to fish instead of giving them a fish. And then we find that these people that he's established are to be available, are to be discerning, are to know when they need to get someone else involved. Leaders needed to have discernment on when to involve the leader. All these stories, these two passages that lay out these leadership principles can be summed up with one simple phrase. When leaders lead, battles are won and people have peace. When leaders truly lead, battles are won and people have peace. I sense that maybe there's someone who has an opportunity to step into leadership. Take it, do something great under the anointing of the Lord. This life is just temporary passing through. But did you know that you could make an eternal impact on someone by just walking through the opportunities that God opens up to you? Conclusion, let me remind you that Jesus is the greatest leader who has ever been or whoever will be. It's often said that everything rises and falls on leadership. And let me assure you, Greater Life Church, that i work for him. And if everything rises and falls on the Holy Spirit, then we're gonna be okay, amen? When Jesus came to this earth, he led in a very different way as a servant. He led in servanthood, yet there was no question who was in charge. He was and he is very patient and kind and his leadership was also straightforward in discipline. There was an exception that, an expectation, rather, that had developed among the disciples who followed Jesus. They knew that Jesus loved them. Jesus taught them. And at times, Jesus rebuked them. But always, every day, Jesus challenged them. My responsibility to you today is this. What are you doing for the sake of the kingdom? And how can God use you to lead? If you're not making disciples, and that might even be a foreign term to you, I don't really know where to start, Pastor Andrew. I don't even know where to begin. Begin by saying, Lord, I don't feel like I can be a leader, but you can make me into one. And as soon as you give him the opportunity, watch what will happen. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Lord, have your way in our lives. Change us from the inside out. Call us into leadership. Anoint us for that leadership. God, I just pray right now in this area and this community that even this group of people that are here today, that they would own the responsibility of leading in this community. That in the lives of the people that they have contact with, that they would become a leader that operates in boldness and in confidence. That you would make them to have have discernment as they make themselves available to you. Help us, Lord, every day to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.